Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi there. Welcome along to another bite-sized episode of the High Performance Podcast with myself, Jake Humphrey, and Professor Damien Hughes. Sometimes we love to just look back on the guests who've joined us, and it's amazing. We've recorded almost 200 episodes now of this podcast, and sometimes you remember amazing guests in the archives, and it's great just to pull out some lessons and some learnings. So today, we're going to hear from Billy Munger, who's a racing driver who lost both of his legs in a serious crash. But what amazed Damien and myself when we spoke to him was not just his memory of the crash, but his reaction to it. Have a listen. You've touched on this idea of resilience that you must have had before the accident and you've required it post-accident. And one of the things that often intrigues me about resilience is the talk about a concept called pre-mortems, where if you anticipate problems, you can deal with them a lot better when you face them. But you've had to learn this post-mortem, post an accident like that. So did you get any help? in making that transition? So hard to say. I think, like you say, you can never plan for anything like this but what happened to me. To be honest, like you say, I think there was really no... My mindset, like I say, has changed. So in terms of what I, how I deal with problems and stuff like that, I don't really like to... I don't think too far ahead, really. I like to just think day by day and just think of the sure. next opportunity. I never really like to... Everyone always asks me, oh, what you show your goals to get to F1 in the next... How many years is it going to take you to get there? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm, how I'm going to achieve something tomorrow, let alone how I'm going to achieve something in five years. Sure. So why would you spend your energy and your mindset and put all your time into thinking about what you're gonna where you're gonna be in five years rather than where you're gonna be tomorrow or the, the next week I, I like to keep things short term and keep things simple I think some people sometimes life gets so on top of people that they start to overcomplicate it which is a remarkable level of perspective that you have not only at such a young age but in terms of when you're in the middle of this but, and I can imagine that You've been given a lot of support in terms of physical rehab to be able to learn to walk again and use the limbs. But how much help did you get psychologically to make that transition? See, I'm a typical stubborn bloke, racing driver, uh, had my accident. Um, I think the most important part for me psychologically after my accident was watching the incident multiple times when I was in hospital. Obviously, it was broadcast live on ITV4, so instantly things start popping up on YouTube, stuff like that. Um, I was in a coma until um, it happened on a Sunday um, afternoon, and I, didn't, I don't really remember anything until sort of the Wednesday, Thursday of the next week. 
um, from obviously being on the morphine and stuff like that. You don't really remember a lot. And watching the accident and kind of reliving that moment that happened so quickly to me that I didn't really wasn't able to comprehend it, just allowing myself time to realise, OK, there was nothing I could have really done there. What happened, happened. It allowed me to sort of digest it all and move forward. Well, my mum and my dad wouldn't, didn't watch it. The, the thought of watching the accident would like make my mum and dad terrified. And I, I think it's just about, I guess, kind of facing up to your fear in that sense. I didn't want my accident to become a fear and not addressing it and treating it as this horrible thing that had happened to me and leaving it there rather than just looking at it for what it was, which was a an accident. Do you feel any responsibility now that you're a role model to young people or that you're an inspiration to others? Does that carry any weight for you? Yeah, that was something I really struggled to deal with when I had my accident, that whole all of a sudden people know who I am, people are following my, my story, people are saying we really hope you get to F1 and stuff like that. Like I was 17 years old like it, and I was going through a traumatic experience and all of a sudden I'm becoming people's role models, people are messaging me saying oh my kid looks up to you, you really inspire me and stuff like that. It's just like so hard to get your head around. I don't think anyone ever, even like top athletes that go on to achieve amazing things, I think that's something that, like you say, it's in the selfish nature of being an athlete that you don't think about anyone else apart from winning and being an athlete. I don't think anyone ever really grows up to be a out-and-out role model for other people because why would they? Like, they, most people have to focus on themselves first before they can learn to give back to others and that kind of thing. So I, in some ways, I'm still conflicted with that, being that role model. But I just try to be myself with it now. I don't try and be anything I'm not. So I, like I say, I am a racing driver. Yeah, that's who I am really. So in terms of my character and who I am, I don't pretend to be anything I'm not. I'm just quite, I'd say I'm quite an authentic person. If I asked you to give yourself a mark out of 10 for how happy you were before your crash when you were a single-minded young guy just wanting to race, what would you have given yourself? I'd probably give myself the same mark as I give myself now. Really? Yeah. That's very interesting. Because it wasn't that I knew all this stuff and I was ignoring it. I hadn't experienced real trauma in my life. I hadn't gone through all the experiences I've gone through. I think people learn in life through experience. And I think... As much as I'd like to say that it'd be easy for me to say, oh, yeah, I'm happier now because I've learned all these things and I'm a better person or whatever, I thought I was a good person before I was in terms of who I was as a character, but I'm able to look at it a different way now after having an accident. But I'd still say I was as happy before as I am now. You know what? It's interesting, Damien, because we interviewed Billy almost at the very start of this yeah, journey yeah. with high performance. And I reckon... I'm not saying you're boring, by the way, but I'm just saying that like maybe 40 or 50 times since then we've been having conversations and you've you've brought up this impact that Billy Munger had on you. I think his reaction to what happened and how it made you feel, it, it was quite something. Well, it was because I think often we talk about resilience uh, to minor things in life. It might be, you, you know, getting a rejection from a job interview. It might be not getting the grade we want in an exam. And they're all things that, are traumatic for people i understand that but he went through something that was almost unimaginable you know pursuing a career as a formula one driver having a crash waking up five days later and discovering that both your legs have been amputated above the knee that's irrevocable and that's traumatic but it was more the answer that he gave us that we heard at the end there where i'm just as happy now as i was before the accident 
just that resilience, that fortitude, that ability to bounce back was what really stuck with me, especially for somebody that of a young age like Billy was and indeed is. Now, you know that I'm one of the co-founders of Whisper Group. Yep. Um, and we're a production company. For those of you that don't know, we produce the Channel 4 highlights of Formula 1. And we employed Billy Munger as one of our experts on that. And I was only watching last week him on a golf course with Lando Norris hitting a golf ball and walking around the course. It was a brilliant interview. And I remember saying to Billy um, after the interview, it was about maybe six months after we'd met him, and I said, you know, how are things? And he said, mate, absolutely fantastic. He said, I know that so many opportunities in my life have come about because of this accident. Um, and, you know, being on the telly is one of them. You know, there's, the truth is there's tens, if not hundreds or even thousands of Billy Mungers, young, um, talented, ambitious racing drivers. But it's such an expensive sport eventually without the huge backing or the, you know, billionaire or multimillionaire parent, your dreams fall by the wayside. Yep. Whereas, you know, Billy is well aware that he was you know, shot to national prominence, the accident, his reaction to the accident, the way that he dealt with the accident. And that's opened up so many new doors for him. And it always reminds me of that great conversation we often have on this podcast about fault versus responsibility. To me, he is the ultimate exponent of putting his own personal responsibility above fault for the accident. You know, that was definitely not his fault. It was a racing incident. Anyone that's seen the onboard footage, there was no time at all for him to react before he hit the back of another driver's car. But for him not to spend even a moment thinking whose fault is it, who can I blame, how can I deal with that? And all of his time and energy goes into taking the responsibility and ending up, you know, as a broadcaster and still as a racing driver and all the other great things he's got going on. It's a brilliant lesson because if he can do it, we can all do it. Well, that very point there that you're making, Jake, around fault versus responsibility and what Billy did, where he watched it, as we heard him say, I watched the footage several times and then he sort of was able to move on. That's almost like the doorway to what we've discussed with other guests. Of Some people can experience a trauma like that and it can capture them in post-traumatic stress terms where they're almost stuck in that moment of anger and bitterness and almost thinking about the what-ifs, what if this hadn't have happened. But its lesser-known cousin of that is post-traumatic growth. And what this has been seen, this was a study done at John Hopkins University with survivors of the Vietnam War, was that what they found is there were some people that came out of being captured there in that war that actually thrived and grew on the back of it. And part of the reason was it started with that responsibility of accepting that it was it was up to them to take control of, uh, of their life. But then the second thing was telling themselves a positive story on the back of it, being able to make sense of the trauma and say, this is what it taught me, this is what it's offered me. And what Billy was telling you when you were speaking to him on that golf course is somebody that's been able to frame it in a way to say, this has given me so much more, this accident. And that then allows us to move on from the incident rather than feeling we're trapped or we're defined by it. So interesting. And I think the message for people listening to this is... It doesn't have to be a life-changing moment like that for you to understand the importance of post-traumatic growth or the importance of fault versus responsibility. You know, small things happen every day. And actually, lots of those small things add up to one big thing. You know, we believe that high performance isn't that huge decision to totally change your life. It's the tiny decisions you make every single day. You know, high performance is a life made up of very small decisions, but they're all good ones. So I think yeah. you know, people shouldn't go, well, I'm going to be like, if ever I have an accent like Billy Munger, I'll be like that. If ever I lose my dad like Tom Daly, 
I'll be like that. If ever I find myself, you know, seriously struggling with my mental health, like, well, loads of the guests we've had on here from Dame Kelly Holmes to Mark Cavendish to Tyson Fury, then I'm going to be like that. I think the point is be like this anyway. The small little things that grind you down every day, that bring a lower quality to your life. Get rid of those by using responsibility. Well, that reminds me of a paper that was written by a guy called Carl Wake. And it, the paper's called The Power of Small Wins. And again, going back to what Billy told us there about I'm happy every day is the power of small wins. You find things that you can be satisfied about. And people often refer to this as getting engaged with the process rather than getting caught up in the outcome of it. And it's the idea of take the small steps. You know, one of my favourite things that I like quoting back is the wisdom from Frozen that you shared with me about do the next right thing. And it's the idea of just do the small steps one after the other. Like Billy said, don't get caught up in worrying about where you'll be in five years' time. Worry about where you'll be in five minutes and then in five hours and then in five days and work out, am I, am I going to be happy? Am I going to do the best I can in those moments? That's where the real power lies. I love it. Thank you, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks to Billy Munger for his wisdom once again on this bite size episode. Thanks to Olaf as well from Frozen for <laughs> giving those immortal words. Just do the next right thing. Um, and thank you very much for listening to this bite size episode of High Performance. Don't forget, you can find the full episode of Billy Munger. Um, it's well worth listening to. And actually, so many of our guests have found the power of responsibility rather than blaming others, looking for fault, which effectively removes your power in the world. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you again soon for more from High Performance. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.